Listener Production. You're a legend. And you are listening to episode 164 of the Howie Games Part B with Commonwealth Games gold medalist Jess Stenson. Roll it. Sports psychologist. You see a sports psychologist? I do. What have they taught you? So when I returned from the London Olympics, I remember going through quite a a tough period. I'd made that Olympic team. I was still juggling sort of my full-time physio work, you know, for those months between qualifying and heading off to the games. And I remember getting to the games always just feeling exhausted from the hype in the lead up and got there, was suddenly surrounded by my sporting idols, this Olympic village and that food hall you mentioned earlier just was out of control. I remember the day the dream team like entered the village because they usually stay outside of it, but walked into the food hall and just the silence as everyone watched. And it wasn't like that for you when you walked in. <laughs> everyone just didn't turn around and say, "Oh, there's Jess." <laughs> Not quite. Um, and I just loved the experience. I learned so much, and I came home and I was like, "That was it." Like that two week period's over. Everything you'd focused your life on. Exactly. What's next? And. I remember lacking motivation, feeling like I just didn't know what I wanted anymore. And so it was soon after that that I started working with a a sports psych. And um, the sports psych, I guess, more addresses the uh, performance side of things, but just learning a little bit more about your feelings and, you know, reinforcing that it is natural to go through these ups and downs. And for me, I just needed to set some little goals again and make sure I surrounded myself with, you know, <laughs> the, by the right people. And the sports psych appointment I had before the Commonwealth Games was yep. more focusing on getting in the right frame of mind after a race I'd had on the Gold Coast only a month prior to to Birmingham. And I, I did a half marathon there. And my coach had said to me, look, the priority is the marathon at the Commonwealth Games. You haven't really freshened up and tapered for this race. We're going to, you know, still have a crack, but I'm just, you know, letting you know it's not the priority race, but I still put, you know, some pretty high expectations on myself and didn't meet those. And I'd actually, you know, struggled a bit with my breathing in the race, found it really tough, just didn't enjoy the final stages of the race at all because I was really forcing myself just to, to get to the finish line. It was tough. And so I was working with the sports psych to, I guess, come up with some strategies for if that would have happened in the race in, in Birmingham if and I was to have trouble with my breathing. And what and, are those strategies? Like what do they provide you? Um, so we actually came up with the plan because I said to her, as soon as I crossed the line, my, my breathing settled, but I just could not get it under control in the race. And she said, well, let's make a plan if that happens and your breathing is, you know, that that bad in the race. Just literally step to the side, get it, get it back under control and set off again. Don't so pause. Yeah, because I I told her that I'd try I'd tried dropping my shoulders, you know, um, improving my neck posture, thinking, just really bland thoughts, like completely getting out of my head and just trying to settle this breathing. And I, I couldn't get it under control while I was running. So that was the strategy we came up with, and that calmed me. I, I felt really happy knowing that. Yeah, if I stop it'll settle really quickly. I can get going again. And and did you get COVID prior? Yeah, I did actually. <laughs> How long prior? Um, three weeks. Did you feel sick beforehand or not? 
Not really. So we arrived in St. Moritz in Switzerland on the your Tuesday. Your training photos. People need to check out Jess. How do we, what's your <laughs> hashtag? On, uh, uh, your... At, it's my maiden name. So at Jess underscore trend. At Jess underscore trend. Like the pictures of where you're training. It's yeah. it's like you'd expect cows with um, bells on oh, they, and sort of dairy there. milk chocolate yeah, ads yeah, yeah, yeah. going past. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, yeah, St. Moritz is a stunning part of the world. One of my favourite places to train actually and to be in just the train ride to St. Moritz. You know, I arrived there and my coach called and he said, you're in your happy place, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. And then we caught COVID. But um, so, how did, so that how was did, a few days afterwards. I How would you feel when you saw the positive test come up, knowing that you, you, your whole focus for a couple of years <laughs> yeah. was in three weeks' time? Well, we'd never had it before, so I didn't really know what to expect. I just started sneezing and couldn't sort of stop. And I thought, this is strange. Had a negative test and then my husband, Dylan, got headachey. He tested positive and it was in the middle of the night. I sort of got up and he was out on the couch and he said, have a look on the table. And I looked down and saw the two lions and I was like, oh no, <laughs> what does this mean? And yes. so I got onto the um, Athletics Australia doctor and my own doctor in Adelaide the next day. And they said, look, um, first things first, you're going to have a test, a PCR test 10 days prior to entering the village. And if you test positive on that, it could set some alarm bells ringing. So we need to get you to have a PCR now to show that in a week's time, if you test positive, it's just the dregs. So yep. we got onto that sort of administrative side of things. And they said from a training perspective, you know, we've had plenty of athletes have COVID, recover, fine. We think you need to take a conservative approach. Just don't train for a few days. How hard was that mentally? Um, it, it wasn't too bad. I think I was coming up to my taper anyway. I'd had that half marathon race. I knew that was a really hard effort and that that training stimulus would have helped me. And training had been pretty smooth in the lead up to the to the race. Otherwise, I'd... I'd run a 10K PB a few months earlier, which gave me a lot of confidence. And, what was your 10K PB? Uh, so I ran 31.50. Right. Which... Now we're talking three-minute 10K, <laughs> okay. That was important because when it came to tactics for the marathon, I did suddenly back myself in the final 10Ks. But anyway, the conservative training approach, I took a couple of days off the rules were very relaxed in Switzerland. I could still get out amongst yes. nature and enjoy those um, <laughs> scenes. And then I jogged for the rest of the week. On the Sunday, sort of eight days later, I went out for a long run with the the team. And did um, you feel it at all or not? I didn't. And right. so that's when I knew everything okay. was okay. Yeah, my lungs were fine in that run. So it was it was. Stewie McSwain, the mm. boy from King Island, wasn't it, that had all sorts of problems mm. in the Diamond League off the back of COVID. He was yeah, having all sorts really of Yeah, it's really unfortunate that a few athletes have had sort of that longer COVID experience and and that is scary. You just yep. hope that that's not going to be your experience. My main symptoms were sinusy, blocked ears, that sort of thing. So um, I didn't feel, feel anything in the marathon. So it, it's behind you. Uh, the night before... How important sleep in what mm. you do? It's important. I, yeah, I put a lot of emphasis on sleep and Dylan and I, because our on seasons tend to be at different times of the year. So being a track athlete, his fires up sort of from November through until April. Yep. So we kind of take in turns of who gets up to Billy during the night if he happens to um, stir. So I'd say generally we get pretty, pretty good sleep. It's just when, you know, he's unwell or... 
Um, and in the lead up to um, the Commonwealth Games, we didn't suffer too much jet lag. So I was getting quite good sleep, actually. Do you get stressed if you haven't got the sleep that you're normally used to to do your full training loads? I do. Like the night before a key session, if I have a bad night of sleep, I, I do feel a little bit of stress, but you've you, just got to try and compensate for it somewhere else. And do you feel <laughs> the effects of that in your run, do you think? Can you look at it and think, mm, I didn't sleep so well last night, it affected me this way or not? Not usually. It usually hits me the following afternoon and then I notice I'm more susceptible to colds and things. If I have a few nights of yep. poor sleep, um, yeah, you notice like sniffly things and uh, whatever creeping up. So I think um, through that COVID period, we had a few rough nights just where the temperature's higher yep. and higher heart rate, but that didn't last for too long. So I was, yeah, ga- I gained confidence from the sleep I was getting in um, that period leading up to the games. Okay. So the race itself, rice the night before? Yes. <laughs> rice the night before. Breakfast? So I had, uh, this was three hours prior to the race, I had a big bowl of rice bubbles, barely had any milk with it. It was just kind of honey. Snap crack on pop. (laughs) Yeah, we uh, ate the little um, Australian kitchen out of rice bubbles because we were all on similar plans, the Aussie marathon. The fuel champions. uh, (laughs) Yeah, it's the only time I eat rice bubbles. But um, they just, it's high energy, doesn't sort of sit heavily in you. But not much milk with it. Nope, um, drizzled honey all over it. And then I would have had, I think it was two pieces of toast with honey and a, a coffee without much milk. And then we caught the bus to the starting area. And um, yeah, it was sort of all just um, eyes on the, the job then. We went for a bit of a warm up jog together, the three girls. We watched some of the the wheelchair marathon and the men's marathon on TV in the cool room. And that's when we saw how intense the hills were. Yeah. Especially near the end of the race. Yeah. Yeah. So we'd um, fortunately been able to drive the first sort of half of the course a few days earlier. And we saw that that was quite undulating and we thought, all right, well, hopefully, you know, they're the worst of the hills and that the, the final 5Ks would just be a few sharp little inclines. But <laughs> we quickly learned. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so you had three words for your race. Mm-hmm. Tell me the three words. Yep. Yeah, so it was basically smart or patient was the first word. Yep. Um, and then it was brave and then it was strong. Okay. So we'll, we'll break it down to that. The race starts... So we're about to go. On your marks. So it's a small field. Um, what, what's patience for you when the marathon's getting rolling? So that's probably, you know, that lesson I'd learned from the 2018 Commonwealth Games. It's just tuck in, do as little... Um, I guess, exert yourself as um, minimally as possible to conserve as much energy for the So, so the how do you do that when you're running? What are you focusing on to conserve energy? I, I noticed you spoke a lot. Your blog was absolutely fantastic, oh, by thanks. the way, on your <laughs> website. And you, you talked about staying upright and various things that I would have never thought of when I run. Mm, so there was a little bit of a breeze out there. So you're trying to tuck in so that you're not copying the, the yep. full brunt of the wind. You're trying to even out your pace um, when you have sort of surging and then slowing it. I think you, you burn through more energy. So if that's you know if, if say the people at the front did slow the pace suddenly, I was trying to you know 
get to the front and keep the pace going. And that's where the Aussie girls, we were communicating a bit when those sorts of things were happening. So three Aussie girls in the race. Yep. They do look good, though, our three Aussie women. It's a lovely sight, isn't it, seeing the three up there, the green and gold, pushing the pace. Absolutely. You're trying to pick the, the shortest line, so there were some big sweeping bends and you want to... You know, go the. I'll go through the apex the, like a like a car yeah, drive. Exactly. A, a car race. Yep, yep. And when you come to a hairpin turn, you sort of run wide, and then you cut across rather than giving yourself a really sharp turn on the hills. That's when I was starting to look at what was happening around me and and how the other girls were handling the hills. And so, how, how much do you look at? So you're looking at the other girls to see what physical shape they're in. So mm. that's that's two parts because what are you looking at for them? And I guess you're trying to show no weakness at this point when they're looking at you in a similar way. That's right. Yeah, you do, when you're at the front, you try to, you know, show that you're in control. And You were um, smiling a lot. I don't know <laughs> if that's your grimace, but I watched it the whole race again. You just seem to be smiling the whole way. <laughs> um, when you see people you know, uh, it's hard not to. I think you're just so grateful for the support out yep. there. And I hadn't run um, a marathon in front of Billy before, <laughs> and um, he and my husband were at the sort of four or five K mark. And I remember, yeah, getting really excited when I saw them. And at that point in the race, you're still feeling really What's he fresh, make of it all? So, uh, Billy or yeah. Dylan? No, Billy. What's <laughs> he, he make no of it? He had no idea what was going on. Right. Yeah, he, he it just was... sees mum go running past. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was a crack up actually. I had a FaceTime with them on the way to the bus and he was just adamant that he didn't want me to get sweaty. And he, he actually was saying, <laughs> don't, don't run fast and, and run slow. And I only watched the race back for the first time. I watched the final 20 minutes on Tuesday night. Did and you? There was a, a cross to Dylan and Billy and, yeah, he was on Dylan's shoulders going, go slow. Well, that's our man Tommy would organise that <laughs> yeah. when, he, when he was producing it. What a gorgeous uh, cross, Billy, isn't he cute? Oh, the <laughs> and the, the consumption of liquid and what's in the gels? Yeah, so... There are so many different gels out there and over the years I've tried and tested different brands and the Morton gels that I was um, taking in the race, actually I think the entire Australian team, we were having the Morton gels. They're very basic, no flavour, just a lot of, I guess, fructose, sucrose, right. all the different sugars. And um, so you have the opportunity at every 5K station to take a bottle and we strap the gels to our bottles and the bottle had a drink mix in it as well that was basically more sugar. So it's got your sugar. name on it? Yep. Okay. So we all had slightly different bottles. We had to put a label on it with our name and we generally had Australians at the stations, manning the stations, so they could see, you know, the, the three of us, um, Sinead, Eloise and I were close together for a lot of the race, so they had to try and make sure they eyeballed us and held out the right bottle for us and I was having gels every 10 and and the drink mix um, in between and also had a gel down my crop top as a back backup. Yep. But the 10K station, I remember we were coming down, charging down a hill and I've just felt it slip out and skid across the road. I thought, ah, oh, well, I won't need that. And sure enough, I <laughs> it did later in the race. But um, And did, did Eloise help you out at that point? She did, yep. So uh, there'd been a bit of a mix-up with the bottles, uh, I've looked around and and Elsie had hers and I said, oh, that was my um my gel, like, and I don't have my backup. And she said, oh, I've I'm not having this one. Um, this I is just, in the middle of running your three twenty five k's. This is conversation yeah, going on. Yeah, she yeah. Uh, I just remember not even 
it was like we weren't in the race anymore. I was just in a bit of panic mode and she was like, I, because she just had gels strapped to every bottle in case and she's like, I wasn't going to have this one. Like, have it, take have it. it. What and a star. I know. See Eloise so, and Jess sharing their, uh, yeah. both grabbing a couple of bottles each and uh, Sinead just off the back of that, a couple of gels there so you can see Jess having uh, some sustenance. Just that effect of having a teammate hand you something to help help you and her calming voice, I think that, yeah, that meant a lot to me. And you suddenly it really reinforces that you're out there representing your country. You're all just trying to do the best you can for Australia and we're all, all out there to help each other achieve that. So, hmm. yeah, that, that really did mean a lot. <laughs> and do you notice when people start to drop off? Do you notice that the pack's getting smaller? How aware are you of how many people are still in the race with you? So I think it was at around the 20K mark. Uh, we'd sort of got through that initial hilly section. And you're feeling good at this stage? I was. It, yeah. I'd say it was a race where I was in the zone for longer than I ever have been um, before. To be honest with you, if you were just watching this, Jess looks fantastic. Yep. She's beautiful off the ground. She's got great core strength. Her hips are in the right position. Um, she's, she's running lovely off the ground. Her face is nice and relaxed. You know, at the 10K... Mark, I remember sort of having this feeling that it was almost like a bit of a floaty feeling that I hadn't really experienced before where I just felt like the legs were ticking over and, and I could just relax. And so when we got to that... Floaty sounds good. <laughs> floaty sounds good in a marathon. I hope I get there again one day. <laughs> um, at 28 k's, I was feeling like my legs had handled the hills pretty well and that I could give it a bit more. So that's where we had this long strip. So she'll want to be using this course to her advantage and to use the course to her advantage, she needs to make sure that she pushes that tempo in the parts that are going to really hurt those legs and take the sting out of the final kick. That would take us to the CBD um, where we had that final 6K hilly section. Is this where Brave starts to come into it? Yes, absolutely. We've moved from patient, now we're into Brave. So Brave was, my coach had said, if you're going to make any moves in the race, this is where I want you to do it uh, because you'll just be holding on in that final section. So I started to just try and wind things up. It started with a a downhill and then I just tried to keep the legs rolling. So you just increased the speed? Mm, Just gradually. It wasn't a sudden surge or anything. But Stenson's doing the right thing. She feels good. She's going with it. And I knew that people were with me. I just didn't know who they were. And, you know, there'd been sort of a a pack the whole way. And you could tell that when we went through the Welsh section, they'd go absolutely nuts, calling out, go, you know, Cockrum. And so when you start hearing less names being called out, you you know that your pack's a bit smaller. And it kind of went from go Aussies to go Aussie. And that's when I thought, oh, I, I don't know if the girls are the Aussie girls are still here, but I... So there's no time to turn and look. You're just no, focused on what's going ahead of you. That's interesting. Perhaps there could have been, but you might trip over your own feet yep. or... And you kind of think, what's it going to achieve? You either gain maybe misleading confidence or you, you panic. And I sort mm. of just figure looking ahead and running as hard as you can or sticking to your plan is the best option. So when we got to the first hill in that final section, uh, I just... At 35Ks, I had the option to take so, a so gel or not. So at 35, there was, there was you, there was the Namibian, mm-hmm. who was the reigning champ, and there was the Kenyan. Yes. So here we go. 
Stenson, Miriyuki, Johannes. So they're going to see a lot of people cheering. They're going to have a lot to negotiate and navigate. Miriyuki looked like she just wanted to make a bit of a move then. You know, they've sat right behind Jess, a step behind her. They haven't given her any help so far in this race. They've been behind. They haven't um, come up to the side of her. But Miriyuki around that bend came up to Jess and Jess is, she's responded. Right. Yep. So I'm concerned at this stage because <laughs> to be fair to say, the Africans have got a pretty good record in long distance running. <laughs> they do. And I knew the Namibian um, Johannes... You know, she'd obviously won the 2018 Commonwealth Games, but she'd gone on to run some really quick marathons after that, yeah, I think, yeah, 219. 219. Yeah. yeah, so when I could see the red singlets, I thought, all right, okay. game on. <laughs> so at 35 k's where I wouldn't typically take a gel, I ripped the gel off my bottle and I remember just ripping into it and almost eating the packet and there was a big camera in my face and I do remember thinking oh, like my teammates at home are probably laughing here I just looked so aggressive and the truck's <laughs> right in front of you I noticed that yeah. when you see the shot from behind like it's a big truck with photographers <laughs> and cameras it's like right in your face yeah and at one point the truck went right and the motorbike went left oh no and in my head I thought always follow the motorbike but I later heard that the um, Ugandan athlete who won the men's race had gone right and actually lost quite a bit of time and missed out on the Commonwealth oh. record as a result. But anyway, I um, 36 k's or thereabouts, there was a hill and the Kenyan athlete sort of pushed and I just remembered pouncing and like sticking to her shoulder as tightly as I could. Jess has not put a step wrong in this marathon. She's done everything right. She's continuing to do everything right. She's If she's feeling okay, she has to, you know, every incline, she has to put a little bit of pressure on them. Just take some of that, that kick out of their legs. If she's feeling good, she has to make the running. Just keep put, pushing the tempo on. And after that, I never really saw much of her again. So I think that the, was... Well, the, the Namibian at that point. Um, it must have been fascinating for you to watch it back. Yeah. Again, that's what we were talking about. She seemed to be cruising mm. and then, as Tamsin said, oh, I think she's struggling. Mm. And two seconds later, she's 30 metres behind you and gone. Yeah. And well, then there's two of you. As she's going up this hill, it kind of looks like Johannes is starting to struggle and Jess is looking yep. great in the face and she's just pushing on for the finish line. So it does. So the defending she's champion there looks to be in all sorts of trouble. She's broken. Yep, gone. So the defending champion's broken here, Johannes. So the favourite, the 219 runner, the world champion bronze medalist, the one that was too good for Lisa and Jess four years ago. I don't think she's coming back. She hadn't shown herself much at the front. Like, I always felt the Kenyan there and she was sort of edging ahead. And I think Johannes must have just been sort of sitting behind us. So I didn't really know where she was at, but I, I knew that the Kenyan had given a little bit of a push. And, and then when I went past, I again, I just in my head was thinking, secure a medal, doesn't matter what colour, like, just go for a medal. I'd... I wasn't really thinking about winning the race as such. I was just thinking, okay, another hill. What's coming around this corner? All right, there's a bit of a camber. Get to the best part of the road and seeing various teammates and people I knew around the course. I had one teammate just, he was losing his voice screaming and I remember him on one of the hills. And and then I must have just, I don't know, a lack of sugar or, or oxygen to the brain, I, I remember thinking, I think this is the home straight. And I, I came around the bend 
and there was like a, a 40 or a 41K sign and I was oh. just flattened. <laughs> I thought, oh, no. you're kidding me. And this is this part of the course that just seems to go on forever, doesn't it? We feel like we've, we're you know around the corner to the finish line, but what have we got? Probably four or five minutes still to go. Yep. And at the pace that Jess is running, the average person couldn't even keep up with her in these last four to five minutes. She's an incredible athlete. Um, we'd had a hairpin turn which had enabled me to see where I was in relation to the other girls. So I knew I had a lead, but I still thought, what if they're reserving which something in the for marathon. the final kick? You, exactly. You hit the wall and, and that's it. Yeah. So on one of these hills, I thought I'd, I'm pretty much at walking pace. That's how I felt. But I can't walk, like just hang in there and then finally got to a corner and could see the home straight. So, oh, so close. <laughs> so the big smile comes out. <laughs> nearly, nearly there. Big, big cheers. Still got some bounce. Still got some bounce in those legs and those shoes and those feet. My immediate response was almost bursting into tears, but I just remember sort of, biting my lip and looking around and thinking, soak this up. Like, and this you is... had your glasses back up this day. I did. So that... Um, I loved that. Well, I I think I took them off um, thinking I want to be able to look at people and kind of get their energy and interact. Um, but when I watched the footage back, I remember when I took them off thinking I was nearly finished. I ran... Yeah without them on for 10 minutes or so. So yeah. I was really out of whack in the right. race. And, but you're like, um, if, if you didn't know what you'd gone through, watching those last 2K when your glasses are off, like you just smile. It's like you're just going for a <laughs> Saturday jog to get the paper. I, obviously now you're describing that's not what you're feeling, but that's how it looked external. So not far at all. That smile is going to get wider and wider and wider <laughs> as the streets feeling like they're getting narrower, but they're still Ooh. up that hill. Up that hill we go. Arms are working. Knees are lifting. Hearts thumping. Oh, this look is at the that last smile. One, this is the last oh. hill, and you take the right hander and you're in the finishing straight, and she knows now. And there Round we go, Dave. Yeah. Round we go. The pain is temporary, but the glory lasts forever, and it's never been truer. It's a great finish. It really is. Victoria Square with... Have a look at the crowds. Yeah, I, I felt in control. Like, I trusted my body. I knew that my legs weren't going to give out on me, and I knew I, I could get there. Uh, it's just it is uncomfortable and you're trying to enjoy it as much as possible and particularly down the home straight, I thought, I've, I've got to make sure I'm looking at the... The road because I don't I haven't done this before there could be a crack or a pothole and I just need to get to the finish line mum South Australian icon Australian <laughs> hero now champion of the Commonwealth all the dreams come true two and a half hours of agony that turns into joy and lasts forever and in the tradition of our great female distance runners, Lisa and Heather and Karen and Krishna and Jackie and Jess Stenson. So what a day it's been. What a day it's been. This South Australian champion, this Australian champion, this Commonwealth champion. That's it. That's a gold medal. 
And then and then I got to the finish line and they had this ribbon up and typically you, you run through the ribbon. Yeah. And as I sort of lunged to go through it, yeah, they, they pulled it down and I nearly stacked it. <laughs> <laughs> and when you cross the line? Um, yeah, I. it's hard to describe. I just felt so complete. That that's a feeling when I gave birth to Billy. I just remember thinking this is the greatest moment. Like I just feel so complete and fulfilled and it was a that sort of sense again. Like there was nothing else I could have done on that day to to be happier. <laughs> hmm. Um I didn't even know where to go. Uh like you just sort of in this strange headspace, I didn't know where Dylan and Billy might be because Dylan had said he probably wouldn't get to the finish line. He wanted to prioritise seeing me where I'd be hurting most. And so when someone said, there's your coach, I ran over and gave Adam a big hug. And I don't think we even said anything to each other. We just both, I think, felt that same feeling. And, uh, you know, he's been with me since we've worked together since 2008. So we've been through all of the ups and downs together. And I was just so grateful for what he's done for me. And then that's when someone yelled out, you know, Dylan and Billy are over here. And It's never easy. Look at Jess, they're high-fiving. Yeah, the fifth fastest ever, Dave. So only five times we've been inside 228. Lisa twice. Oh, here Billy. we go. There we. There's the moment. <laughs> they made it, Dylan and Billy. It... Oh. Doesn't look too sweaty too, so Billy will be happy. That's just beautiful scenes. That was, that really topped it. That was incredible to see those two. <laughs> it's a great description. Um, <laughs> do you get a full split of every K? I, um, on my watch. So, right. uh, that's the only sort of data I've got from the race. And it was interesting to go back through and, you know, where I'd put more effort in actually correlates to a faster pace. That's not always the case, you know. Right. In so what, 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 what would you be, what were your quickest K? Oh, I think it was a 310 or 310. something. At what stage of the race? Th- that was in the later stages. And I, I look back and that's when I thought I was finishing. So it was at about the 40th K or something. And I thought I was coming onto the home straight. I kicked and then I saw the sign. (laughs) The person, yeah, the person beside the sign, I just, they would have seen the look in my eyes. Oh no. And and does that watch have heart rate as well? It does. So what's your typical heart rate range during a marathon? Uh, again, it depends on the marathon. Uh, I think my average sat at around 178 and it would have got up to 190 maybe. So you're averaging 178 for over two hours. (laughs) I typically have a bit of a higher heart rate. Right. Mm. Back to Jess shortly. We were truly privileged back on episode 25 of the Howie Games when Catherine Freeman came on the podcast. It is an episode that is very dear to me. I love it. Kathy's descriptions of a 400 metre win in Sydney still give me goosebumps today. And then it was in those metres, five metres before you actually put your foot on the track that I felt like everything just turned into a... It was just a... um, It was the strangest experience I've ever had. You're so focused and relaxed, but you, you feel like it's a dream. That's the best way I can describe it. But anyway, I got out onto the track and and then it was a case of, oh, okay, business as usual type mentality... And there's this amazing trust and this blind faith in your own nature in knowing that you're going to do, 
you're going to do what you got to do and you got to do what you know. And the competitive instinct, well, that was never a, that was never a concern. No. So, and the rest, it was just a case of getting on with it. That is Catherine Freeman on episode 25 of the show. Alrighty, let's get back to Jess. The next day, how do, how do you pull up from a marathon? What what hurts? Horribly. <laughs> Actually, after the Perth Marathon in, 2000 and, in 2021. Where you did your best time? Yep. I could have gone for a jog the next day. I, I pulled up well from that one. I think the nature of this course, my toenails, <laughs> I remember having an interview after the race and suddenly, I don't know if it was a bit of the adrenaline wore off or because I'd just been standing still, the pain in my toes was just wow. intense. And when I had to try and peel my shoes and socks off to get into the shoes for the ceremony, I just looked and there were blood blisters, blood blotches. Oh. It was because, you know, your toes are sort of hitting the end of the, your shoes on the downhills and our quads... I say, ah, um, Sinead, Eloise, Andy, Liam and I were just hobbling around for um, a few days in the village because there were quite a few hills in the village as well going down to the dining hall. We were sort of trying to walk backwards, sideways, <laughs> do whatever we could to relieve our quads. So um, I took quite a while to get back into jogging as well. I, I had quite some, yes, a fair bit of sharp pain in the uh, the quads for a while there. And the ceremony? Yeah. What did it mean to you? Oh. Uh, that was, yeah, I guess you don't really think about that before the race. So we all had to pack our ceremony outfits in case. And as you're packing that into the bag on the morning of the race, you think, gee, wouldn't it be good to have to pull this out? So, you know, when I did and I got to chat with the other, um, you know, athletes while we were waiting and, and meet the mayor of Birmingham and, um, the, you know, the Kenyan athlete. She was buzzing. She, you know, spoke a lot of English. And so we headed out there together. And uh, yeah, when the national anthem played, I kind of thought back to that young schoolgirl that had watched Susie O'Neill, <laughs> the top of the podium. And I think, you know, you always plan to belt out the national anthem, but I just, I was kind of crying, getting my words mixed up. There was all sorts going on. I looked ahead and all of my teammates were standing there. You know, we'd been called for drug testing and a couple of the girls almost weren't able to um, to get there because of that, but the chaperones let mm. them sneak out and that meant a lot to see them all there. So that was very special. The Obviously, the, the next step is what happens moving forward. Um, the only thing you've disappointed me with is you didn't bring the medal. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry about that. It what was... happened? <laughs> so... That was going to be the one of my more exciting parts of the day. <laughs> yeah. So I've jumped in the Uber, got chatting to the driver. We're heading to the Adelaide airport and he goes, oh, so where are you off to? Melbourne. You know, what do you do? And and uh, it, we got onto the topic of... Um, Commonwealth Games and he went, you you went to the Commonwealth Games and he sort of looked back and he's like, oh, wow. And uh, <laughs> he goes, gee, I can't wait to tell my wife and went on to other topics and he was telling me about his daughter who who did athletics and, and then <laughs> we're almost at the Adelaide airport and he said, so what what position did you come? And <laughs> when I told him, he, uh, yeah, he nearly sort of swerved off the road. It was so, so cute. He, uh, <laughs> he was Sri Lankan. So he said he'd um, watched, you know, right. some of his athletes compete and 
he said, so where's the medal? And I was like, oh, you're joking. Uh, <laughs> and he, he said to me, let's drive back and get it. I'll, you know, good I'm not going to increase the fare. <laughs> anyway, we were pretty much at the airport. I would have well and truly missed my flight, so we didn't. <laughs> but he was so keen and committed to going. And well, <laughs> I was keen to see the medal as well. You talked about after London, um, the Olympics and and the come down. You've now achieved something very few um, Australian athletes have uh Commonwealth Games gold medal, 14 marathons. Can you get yourself up to continue this journey? Like, What's next? Well, I'm enjoying it more than ever, so I, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've got the Narracourt. Uh, Narracourt, that's my hometown. The New York. Right. <laughs> the Narracourt. The Narracourt 5K. <laughs> the New York Marathon, which your brother's running as well, yeah? He is, yeah. So that's coming up in. First time Narracourt ever been confused at New York, I reckon. <laughs> In uh, two months' time. Okay. So, you know, Jack and I have been on quite a sporting journey together. You know, we used to do cross-country training together as youngsters, so it'll be really cool to, um, you know, toe the line with him. He's currently training by, you know, playing footy on <laughs> Saturdays and his Tuesday and Thursday trainings for footy. So, so are you just going to burn him <laughs> off and just let him go? Yeah. Um, I think we all start in different sections okay. and you get funneled off. Well, that's good for Jack. I'm really looking forward to New York. It's a race that I've wanted to do for um, a decade, basically, since I debuted. And, you know, whenever you mention that you run marathons, people ask you if you've done New York. They, they, they sort of say it's it's just one of those races where the atmosphere is electric the entire way. And there are a few hills, apparently. So hopefully the Birmingham race um, gave me some strength for the hills. And Eloise will be in the race as well. And it's just the field is, you know, it's attracted the best athletes from around the world. So is there a check be... if you win that one? Got yeah. It, yeah. If you win the New York Marathon, I think it's up around like 100,000 right. or something. Okay. So, um, but yeah, the competition will Crackfield. be very strong. Paris? Hopefully. <laughs> okay. So you've, everything you've done and everything you've seen and all the runners you've been beaten by and all the runners you've beaten, can you go into an Olympics thinking, I can win this? Um, I think the best mindset for me to have is get the most out of yourself and see what that, you know, leads to. Because yep. if you think, if I think of winning, if that's not happening, I think it's it's detrimental to my performance like or if something happens. Like you talked about on the Gold Coast with yeah, the Yeah, in the race, uh it can cause stress that isn't conducive to performing. So if I just think, squeeze everything out of myself and see how the race unfolds and just continue working my up, my way up through the field, I think that momentum um, you build and the confidence you gain as you go um, helps me to get the most out of myself. So you want to do everything you can to give yourself the best chance. And training's one thing, but in a championship race, often the course isn't that flat and fast. The conditions might be yep. challenging. It might be a really hot day. So I think if you can train, you know, for those conditions, do everything. It might be saunas. It might be ice vests before the race um, to give yourself every chance to, uh, I guess, get an edge over the people who might be the fastest. Um, anything can happen. We mentioned at the start of the podcast about the finances involved in your sport and you need other ways to generate income in your life. Tell me about 
Grundies, or as <laughs> Bruce called it throughout the commentary of the Commonwealth Games, <laughs> Grundies. And Jess is a bit of an entrepreneur too with her brother. Is it Grundies? Are they? Oh, yeah. Grundies. Yeah, Grundies. Yep. I like that you yep. said it's Rundies. Grundies. Grundies, not, not Undies, is no, it? No, Rundies. <laughs> <laughs> it's a play on running, Bruce. Underwear for runners. <laughs> Uh, so in 2015, I was actually living in Melbourne for the year to prepare for the Melbourne Marathon to try and qualify for the 2016 Olympics. I uh, was getting frustrated because I had my favourite pair of running undies and I couldn't find that style and brand anywhere Yep. and um, sort of thought, well, I wonder, you know, if there's a bit of a gap in the market yes. here and um, Jack, my brother, was playing um, for the Melbourne Demons in Speedos and uh, my husband Dylan, um, he was not my husband at the time, but he sort of said, yeah, look, let's go for it. And we all kind of huh. had a go at thinking of some names and Rundies came up and so firstly we sort of got the trademark there and started things rolling. So in 2016 we were selling these um, undies that we'd um, designed and we'd put a few surveys out there to like Running Mums Australia to find out what they'd want in a pair of underwear. Yep. <laughs> so we came up with the bamboo fibre in the gusset and the, you know, fast drying, flexible material outside. And yeah, look, it's just been ticking away in the background. Ultimately, we'd love to build it up so that we could give back to the sport of running and athletes. Like if we could start sponsoring athletes, we have in the past, we've That'd sort of helped cool. to cover some expenses for local runners and uh, you know, we've been out to local fun runs and you get to meet people and uh, it's it's just been sort of ticking away in, in the background. We haven't sort of thrown everything into it. We want to refine a few things with the styles and designs and get the environmentally year, friendly packaging. But, yeah, next year um, we're hoping to start really um, building it up. So Website? Uh, rundies.com.au, yeah. Right, so can I buy Rundies on there now? You could. We're really low in stock at the moment okay. while we're just going through this um, process of refining everything. Um, but 2023. Yeah. <laughs> For all the youngsters listening that want to achieve success in their endeavours, you've had tremendous success, um, not with wrestling but with everything else in your, <laughs> in your life. What advice would you pass on? Ooh, it's, it's, a, it's a big question, that one. Big question, especially when you're a parent yourself. Mm. I was running past a uh, a school one day and they had like a notice board and there was a quote on it that was uh, aspire to be more uh, rather than to have more. And I love that. I think with whatever you're doing, if you sort of think about who you're growing into and how you're contributing to the world around you, you're doing whatever you're doing for a much better bigger cause. One, it takes the pressure off yourself, Mm. but when the going gets tough, you can just, you can find more. So for any of the kids who maybe feel the nerves and sort of thing, just think like, why, why am I here? And, and, you know, what can I get out of this and how can I benefit the people around me? And, you know, enjoyment is such a big part of it. I find it funny saying that because I wouldn't say I necessarily enjoyed the race itself as a kid coming through, but the feeling afterwards, I just took so much satisfaction from that. And if you're enjoying the process, you're meeting people, the people are what I love about sport and the relationships you you form. So yeah, make sure you, you're making the most of every opportunity and uh, yeah, just remind yourself of your reasons. And have you listened to this podcast while you have been training? Oh, absolutely. It's actually, 
It's funny. I was... This I, is good. I don't know why, but I can actually remember exactly where I was when I listened to different episodes too. So I could tell you where I was running when I listened to Sally Pierce and Liesl Jones, Anna Mears, um, you know, Kelly Slater, Andrew Gaze, Joe Engels. Like, That's cool. Yeah, different parts of the world too. Like I was in Elliston running along the coast when I listened to, you know, Mitchell. And I think it was uh, Lauren Jackson. I was in Bowneroo at my brother's wedding. So it's this weird thing that I associate what I've listened to. I can remember the visuals around me. That's so really cool. It's a, yeah, podcasting is very powerful and I love having you on my runs with me. <laughs> I love being on your runs as opposed to actually having run next to you. <laughs> Jess, you are a star. Good luck with everything moving forward. Thank you. It's been fantastic to chat with you about your journey as well, but also get an understanding of what is required to run so long, so fast. Um, go well. Thanks for joining me on the Howie Games. Thanks for having me. What a star Jess is. I still cannot get my head around the 3 minute 25 Ks. Quite incredible. Thanks to Jess for listening to the podcast and training when listening to the podcast, but more importantly, for coming on the show and dominating as expected. Thanks to you all for tuning in and to Das, who is punching the episodes out whilst still celebrating his cats winning the AFL flag. Do not forget the Artist Series next Tuesday, then Ange Postacoglu next Thursday. Woo-hoo. Until then, peace and love. And we can do it if we try, try, try. If we try, try, try. If we try, try, try.